the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Josh Pick is the Chief Investment Advisor with Aptus Wealth Management, a state-registered investment advisory firm. This program is sponsored by Aptus Wealth Management. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell financial vehicles. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals to see if any ideas expressed would fit their specific situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Securities can fluctuate and when redeemed may be more or less than when originally invested. Welcome into the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. I'm Bruce Hooley here with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management. And for the next hour, we'll be talking about working toward retirement. Everybody looks forward to it, at least everybody that I know does. I know I do. But you want to get there with financial independence, where you're not concerned about, you know, having to go back to work or anything of that nature. And there is a lot of volatility out in the markets these days, a lot of scary words that are thrown around, recession, inflation, and so that's why we are here. And you can get a free consultation with Josh and the Aptus team by setting that consultation up via the phone. 614-917-1040 is their number at the office, which is just off Route 750 in Lewis Center. You can also set up your appointment by making that appointment online at Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. Subscribe to Josh's YouTube channel when you are on the site at aptuswealth.com. And Josh, we got the GDP report this week, which was supposedly a favorable GDP report. It's backward looking, so it tells us about the final quarter of 2022. And of course, this was embraced by the Biden administration as everything's great, the economy is great, and I hear more people now on financial channels talking about, hey, maybe the Fed really did thread the needle, and maybe we really are going to have this soft landing. And I just kind of wonder if people should relax and stop worrying about recession? Or is it possible that numbers could change and circumstances could change and we could still have to deal with some of the things that a lot of people have been fearing for the last six months? Well, anybody that says they know is lying. Nobody knows. However, if we look historically, we can look at times like the 70s and the 80s and see what was done. And if you look back in the 70s, we kind of waved the flag the same way where we said, oh, we got it all under control. Inflation is licked. And then not too many years later, we were looking at a prime rate up above, you know, high teens, 20%. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I wouldn't say that we know exactly where it's going to go. And I also would say that regardless of who's in office, uh, we can't necessarily trust politicians to tell us the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth when it comes to the economy. But I think it's still very much fluid. Do I think we need to pay attention? I think in times like these, you better, you know, on a personal front, heed some warnings. Now, if you're wrong... Who cares? I'm not saying buckle down and make sure you eat nothing but ramen noodles, but hmm. is now a good time to start maybe adding to your war chest of you know safety emergency funds? Is it a good time to maybe think about uh, revisiting your investment allocation, your financial plan, adding to your repertoire of you know education, et cetera? Absolutely. I don't think we're out of the woods at all. Um, I think there's more to come, quite frankly. So one of the oddities of the Federal Reserve is that there are different Federal Reserve branches, and I see that the Cleveland Fed is projecting a consumer price index rise of 
six-tenths of 1% in January and 6.4% yearly. Now, that index went down 6.5% last year, they say. And what I wonder about is an aspect of investing I've never understood, commodities. So according to this article that I'm reading, lumber is up, uh, gasoline is up. We see that at the pump. Metals are up. And this rise in some of these things like gas and lumber and metals is sending the signal to this analyst that inflation, though it has been coming down, as Joe Biden loves to say, for the last six months, that there could be a spike in inflation coming. Is that one man's opinion and one that we should discount? Or is it possible that you can have trend, 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 trend for six months and then, whoa, wait a minute, we didn't see this coming? Yeah, commodities are a difficult one, and you could even throw in gold in there. You know, as I'm talking to a lot of people who are very concerned about inflation and saying, is now a good time to invest in gold? The problem with commodity prices is is they are ever-changing and also tied to supply, not just inflation. So on one hand, you have a supply issue where you say, well, uh, you know, we don't have that much. Let's use gold as an example. We mm-hmm. don't have that much gold, so gold is going up. Or we don't have that much silver, so silver is going up. We're not mining for silver. So the supply is limited. On top of that, we have potentially a U.S. dollar where inflation is affecting it. So people are going there for a safe harbor. But if the value of those things starts skyrocketing, let's use gold and silver for an example. I'm sure there's tons of mines in the world right now that are offline. They're not mining for gold and silver. And they're not mining for gold and silver because maybe it costs them $1,000 an ounce or $1,200 an ounce to get the silver out. And they're not comfortable with anything less than a certain profit margin. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, now let's say that the value of gold goes up to 2500 bucks an ounce. Well, now they go, whoa, now, now this is profitable. They turn the mines back on. What does that do to supply? Increases supply, and then it levelizes back out. So that's one of the reasons why it's, it's widely understood in finance, that looking at commodity prices is a good indicator of the status of the economy because it does project inflation. But it's a very risky place to invest, particularly because you're usually buying options on those commodities rather than I don't know too many people that say I want to invest in corn that aren't farmers and just stockpile a bunch of corn in their garage. They're buying options for futures on these things. Yeah. And I I know a lot of my questions are kind of all over the map, but I think we're in an era where a lot of people have a lot of information thrown at them and it's conflicting information. Uh, And I know you wade through all that information at Aptus and you're willing to discuss that with people when they come in for their free consultation, which they can set up by calling your office at 614-917-1040 or doing that appointment, setting the appointment up online at aptuswealth.com, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. But I hear the jobs report is great, the unemployment rate is low, yet I see all these tech companies laying people off. IBM and and SAP have joined Amazon and, you know, uh, Google and uh, on and on and on, laying people off. And then I keep hearing that, we have a number that I think is 7 million men between 25 and 54 that have just left the workforce, not working at all. And I wonder if there's a another shoe that's going to drop, because on one hand, things can't be fantastic in the job market if all these big companies are laying people off. You know, I'll speak to two things there. We can talk secondarily about whether or not we believe or the general economy believes that we're going to head into a recession. But first, you said that there was a lot of information out there. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. And while a lot of information is good, I can point to many examples while too much information will get you in a lot of trouble. Yep. If you've ever had a cold and WebMD'd it, you've experienced that 
having too much information and not a good uh, interpretation mechanism of that information can be very, very dangerous. And I think that's what we get sometimes, particularly as investors. You know, if you look at Warren Buffett, for example, Warren Buffett doesn't own a computer. He's looking at actual balance sheets and income statements, analyzing the data and making those decisions almost irrespective of everything that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. He's looking at companies and saying, are these companies of good value? Do I believe that they have a strong moat or barrier to entry around them? And do I believe that they have a, uh, a, a strong track record moving forward? And that's how he invests. That's it. I, I assure you, while he pays attention to certain things, he could care less as to whether or not we're going into a recession or not, other than it'll make what he would have bought anyway cheaper. Uh, so sometimes it's important to step back and say, what are time-tested strategies that can work for me? Now, whether or not we're heading into a recession, uh, I read an article on USA Today, uh, just today, as a matter of fact, and it was talking about you know the general consensus amongst economists as to whether or not we're going into a recession. I can't remember the statistics uh, exactly, but I would say it was roughly two-thirds of economists in the United States have a general consensus that we are, in fact, if not already into a recession, heading into a recession. Now, the good news is over 95% of them are saying that it's going to be a mild recession. Mm -hmm. And you say, well, I like the word mild. That sounds great. So what does a mild recession look like? Well, the next sentence says a mild recession has about 1.8 million lost jobs. Ouch. That doesn't sound mild yeah, to me. Yeah, not right? to those people. Um, and then it goes on further to say, what does a mild recession look like? Well, we're talking about you know unemployment rates uh, accelerating. Uh, we're talking about a lot of different things, some of which, by the way, some of the indicators would indicate, based upon unemployment, et cetera, that we're already in a recession. And that is not even taking into account the 7 million people that you had just mentioned, roughly, that aren't even looking for a job. Mm-hmm. So I would say you know, there are times as we look out into the economy as investors and say, do we have a tailwind or a headwind? And I would say 2023 certainly looks like a headwind, but that does in no mean, in no way mean that you should take all your money, buy gold, invest it in, uh, put it under your mattress. You should come up with a plan that's going to work for you. Josh Pick, Aptus Wealth Management, 614-917-1040, Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, AptusWealth.com. Subscribe to Josh's YouTube channel when you're on the site at AptusWealth.com. That will allow you to get this kind of instruction in small doses. You can pause the content. You can share it with friends. You can replay it. You can take notes on it. And Josh and I do the show every Friday, and he also joins me on Monday at 1230 for Money Monday on 98.9 The Answer. The show will replay tomorrow at noon. So I want to go back to Warren Buffett for a second, then go back to recession. You say Buffett doesn't overload himself with, you know, oh my, here comes the latest projections or scrolling across my laptop by the minute. But I think one of the things that just shocks me is this headline I saw, Intel pairs losses but sheds $9 billion in value on dire outlook. Because we have the Intel project in central Ohio, I think people here would think, man, Intel's a great company. So my question about this and Buffett is not Intel specific, it's how do you evaluate a company? You say Warren Buffett does a really good job, and his track record proves it, of evaluating is this a good company. He's not scared by headlines. He's not worried about, oh, what's the number this minute? What's the number next minute? How is a company, how is the case made that this is a good company? It's headed in a good direction. Is it earnings per share? Is it whatever? What is it? Yeah, well, I mean, there's definitely everybody has their own secret sauce on how they do this. Um, and I can't speak specifically to Warren Buffett, but I will tell you in general, 
that he is very much a value number crunching investor. So think about this. His big thing is there's actually strategies built around the moat, which is what he talks about all the time. And the moat is a concept of how hard would it be for a competitor to come and take on this company? Okay. Think Coca-Cola. He uses that example all the time. It would be very, very difficult for a beverage company to come and knock Coca-Cola off of the, the top of the pile simply because they sell so much stuff and they have proprietary products, right? Well, then look at Coca-Cola and say, how profitable are they? What earnings per share are they selling at? Where are my kind of backouts? In other words, um, I'll give you an example. Peter Lynch, another great investor, mm-hmm. Maverick yep. back in the day, he had bought a company at one point. Everybody thought he was crazy. He had done the math and figured out that the intrinsic value of the just their equipment if the company went bankrupt and they just had to sell all the buildings and all the equipment they had, it was worth like $4 a share, right? Or $10 a share, whatever it was. And it was only selling at $8 a share and its equipment was worth 10. So he goes, well, either people are going to realize that this company is better than they think it is, or if it goes bankrupt, I'm still going to make over 20% of my money just selling all the stuff off. Sure. So this is a good analysis. Now, there's more to it than that. Because from my perspective, obviously not being the individual who's actually going out and getting in the trenches and, and doing all the number crunching, we hire people to do that. But there is also a kind of methodology between where should you be in the market? For example, if you were heading into a downturn, would you be better off swinging for the fences with speculative companies and just hoping that the new widget comes out? Or would you rather base your investments and your retirement for that matter on things that either have guarantees attached to them, that have predictable outcomes, that have great barriers to entry, that have uh, proven throughout history to be able to weather significant storms, you might want to lean into those types sure, of companies of and those types of investments and away from the others. Now, on the other hand, if you look at uh, COVID and you say, wait, the government's going to spend $5 trillion and just throw it out into the economy and let people buy whatever they want, well, that kind of points us in a direction that's probably what companies are going to do well. That does not mean just because they did well, they'll do well now. And this is where I caution people. Very often I'll have conversations with new clients or people at you know cocktail parties or mm-hmm. wherever I might be, and they're very quick to tell you about how great of a return they got, and they'll pick a year. Oh, I remember 2019, I did 67% or whatever. But those same people, when they come to the office and I do an analysis of their portfolio over the last five or ten years, they haven't really averaged that much. They're taking so many swings, hits, and misses that overall they're not doing that well. Risk mitigation is incredibly important. Think of today. So last year the market was down 20%. The year before it was up in the 20s. Okay, so over a two-year period, how well have you really done? Yeah, it's even. Now, if you could have just averaged six one year and six the next, you probably would have been a lot happier, less heart palpitations, and would have been better off for it. So it's important to come up with a strategy that's going to not only – get you where you want to go predictably, which is very important, but also keep you in a position behaviorally. And by that, I mean what you're going to end up doing if you can't handle some of these swings. And there's a ton of studies now. Probably the most popular part of finance today is something called behavioral finance. And behavioral finance analyzes what certain markets actually do versus what the investor in those markets actually return. And the gap is gigantic. Think about half the average investor will lose half of the return based upon their behaviors because they can't stand the fluctuations. So what does that tell us? It tells us that creating a uh, investment portfolio or a plan that is predictable is arguably more important than 
the actual return itself. Yeah, because reactive is where you end up being hasty, doing something desperate. You're, you know, I, I, this is what I appreciated about the consultation when my wife and I came in and sat and formulated a plan and engaged in a strategy with Aptis is that I now understand conditions, number one, what's likely, uh, what's most likely, and how we are prepared for it, like being prepared for it so that we don't have to in the moment, like, oh my goodness, look what happened today in the markets. And, ah. You know, I feel like we came out of it with a strategy. It was a strategy that made sense to me. It wasn't like, boy, I hope this guy's right. It was like, no, I understand why we're doing what we're doing here. So that's what I would say to the people listening is that that's the value that we gain out of sitting with Josh and his team and, and eventually going with them as clients is because we gain peace of mind. And, you know, finances are so important. Your retirement is so important where you're headed. You know, we don't want to, I don't want to have to work till I'm 80. I want to be able to pay for my kid's college. I don't want to have to worry about end of life care, all those big issues that we struggle with uh, across, you know, kind of our culture right now. I feel like we have a plan and, and I credit you for that and helping us. And most important for me is that we understand it. So we were going to talk about recession and in a recession, just to give a, you know, kind of a real 40,000 foot view, the economy contracts, that times are tough, uh, companies lay people off, people's wages go down, spending goes down, all those kinds of things. So with that as a a potential, you said 65% or 95% say there's going to be a recession, 65% say it'll be mild or whatever. How do you prepare, how do you approach it from an investing perspective with clients who don't want to suffer those wild fluctuations? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, first off, much like we just said, you cannot, you can't knee-jerk reaction this type of stuff. I'm sure if everybody that's listening thinks about all the bad decisions that they've made in their life, it was probably knee-jerk reactions. Yep. I can tell you as a father, that's certainly the case. Yep. All the times I go, man, I really flubbed that. It was because I reacted before I thought. Well, and let me let me stop you for a second too. You can make a bad decision in life, but if you've made that decision thinking about ahead of time. This is what I'm going to do, and this is why I'm going to do it. Even the bad decision is much more a decision you can reconcile later. So, you know, you don't want to screw up with your money, but any kind of hasty decision is really a crapshoot. Yeah, as long as you've done the analysis and decided that this is what makes sense for me, it's certainly more palatable. And, and an example of that would be, you know, I think a hasty decision today would be to go 100% to cash. Mm -hmm. That would be a very hasty decision. I don't think anybody would argue that. However... If you said, if this goes down another 5 or 10%, I know I'm not going to be able to handle it, and I'm going to sell at that point. So I'm just going to go to cash now and wait. But, and this is a big but, in six months, this is my plan to get back in. You have to have a plan to get back in. Otherwise, you just sit around and wait until the next recession. Because you go, well, I, you know, you almost try and... A broken watch is yeah, yeah. correct twice a day, right? If you say it's going to crash long enough, it will. And if you say it's going to go up long enough, it will. <laughs> so, you know, going to cash wouldn't be a terrible position for you because you could reconcile that if you said, you know, I know it's not a good choice, but it's the one that I feel most comfortable with. But for those people who are really concerned, going to cash is foolish, not because going to safety is foolish. Going to cash is foolish because you're being eroded by inflation. So I would suggest for people who say, you know, I don't really pay a lot of attention to this. I've just put my money in the 2025 fund or the 2040 fund in my 401k, and I just cross my fingers and hope that whoever was the super smart person at Fidelity or wherever it was that came up with the 2040 fund, that they know what they're doing. Uh, rather than do that, 
maybe you decide that over the next year or two, I'm going to kind of put some training wheels on this. So what you can do is you can actually invest in ways where you put kind of bookends on your investment. So for example, if the market goes up 30%, if you had some sort of guarantee on the bottom, clearly you're not going to get 30%. You can't have your cake and eat it too, right? right? But if you said, well, if the market goes down 30%, I want to make sure I only go down five. But if it goes up 30, heck, if I could get 15 or 20, I'd be happy with that kind of bookended Mm -hmm. approach. That is possible right now. Now, I would argue that that's not getting out of the market. That's just saying I'm so uncomfortable right now that I know I'm potentially giving up some upside, but I don't want to get out altogether. I just want to make it palatable for me so I don't lose my mind. That is a very good approach. Um, Is that going to affect you in the long run? Would you be better off just leaving it, you know, kind of naked out there and doing its thing? History would say that is a foolish decision. But history would also say that waiting for it to go down 10 more and then pulling out is an even more foolish decision. So know who you are, take some inventory of your own emotions, and then contact us and we'll come up with a plan that matches you, not matches what some person in Ivory Tower decides everybody should be doing. Yeah, and I think that was crucial for us was that, you know, everybody's risk tolerance is different. And I think that it's just, to me, I... I knew from our conversations that you were not one of the investors who is like, here's how I do it. This is the place where I put money, and this is what I believe in, and this is who we're with. And there's a much more broad approach to investing at your place. And I don't know if that has to do with the fact that you're a fiduciary and you're legally required to do what's best with your clients. But uh, we actually entered into one of those strategic approaches to having some limits on the up and some limits on the down. And I know that the financial world is a very competitive world. Banks are competing with banks and you know mutual funds with mutual funds. Are those options new? Because it seems to me there are always new options, new funds, new ways of investing your money. Are those triggers or those protections, is that a relatively new phenomenon in your business? I wouldn't say that it's new, but you know the people who create products, essentially, mm-hmm. which these are product-type strategies, the people that create products are not... Uh, naive to what the market wants. And right now there's a lot of uncertainty in the market. The market wants guarantees. So those products become more prevalent. Now, I would not suggest that, you know, these types of strategies haven't been around for decades and decades and decades because they certainly have. But there's also times, economic conditions, if you will, that make those look more attractive. For example, many of those types of approaches, if we rewind the clock back, a lot of those are impacted by interest rates and options prices. Well, options prices get, you know, they have an impact on what their prices are based upon the volatility in the market. Interest rates, well, that has an impact on what kind of guarantees you can be afforded. Sure. So it just so happens that today is a great time, almost in spite of all of the other economic conditions, to do a strategy like that because your upside potential is really, really high versus, say, two years ago. Two years ago, you would get a mere fraction of the upside potential and downside protection that you would today. So it's important as we look at strategies that the strategies aren't new. We don't do these, you know, kind of, oh, this is the new investment. Wink, wink, hold on, and it'll work out great. (laughs) We're talking about stuff that's been around for for years and years and years. But there are times when they're more favorable than others. And our job is really to determine not only what you want to do and what your position looks like and what you can tolerate and how we're going to get you to your goals. But what are the best products available today because of the economic conditions to get you there? And one of those products might not be a good fit two years from now. 
Yeah, and you can set up your free consultation with Josh and learn more about this. Honestly, I didn't even know about that particular option when we went in. I had a very kind of, I guess, finite view of what we could do with our money. I mean, I knew mutual funds, and I knew you can buy individual stocks, and I knew some of that. But I didn't really know that there was a way to do it. And, you know, even deeper into the weeds, you can do it one way where there's a higher degree of upside and another way where there's maybe a mid-degree of upside and another way. So that's a way, too, that you can kind of diversify and protect yourself. Yeah, I mean, listen, fast forward, if, if inflation does run rampant and CD rates are at 20% like they were back in the 80s, well, then, you know, maybe buying a 10-year CD paying 21% sounds like a really good option. But right now, I wouldn't suggest banking your entire retirement off of CDs. So, you know, it's, it is ebb and flowing and kind of building the own portfolio that works for you at the time. Uh, you can discuss that with Josh and his team when you go in for your free consultation. They are located in Lewis Center, just off Route 750. That's not far from 270 and 23, but they also service many of their clients remotely. That is one thing we have left from the pandemic that was a good thing. Set up your consultation, 614-917-1040, or set, up at, set it up online at AptusWealth, A-P-T-U-S, AptusWealth.com. We have talked about recession. We've talked about market conditions. We're going to talk about tax planning because we are in the early stages of the year. So a lot more to come. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. I'm Bruce Hooley here with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management. Looking forward to talking about how to arrive at financial independence later in life. A lot of people call it retirement, but financial independence is really what it is about. That's what they work toward at Aptus. And they'll help you get there with the Aptus Retirement Blueprint, a plan, a strategy for growing your money over time so that you get to retirement and you don't have any nasty surprises. You've worked hard for your money. You might as well multiply it. That's what they specialize in. And they're more than willing to meet with you for a free consultation at 614-917-1040. You can set your appointment online at Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. Their physical office is located in Lewis Center, just off Route 750. That's not far from 270 and 23. So, Josh, let's talk about tax planning because we are approaching the tax deadline. It's sometime in April. I don't think it's the 15th because the 15th is a Saturday. But at any rate, I've uh, got a couple months to reorder some things according to whatever things can be reordered. What would you say at this point in time people should be doing maybe from a checklist perspective to save themselves uh, a tax liability that could be saved if they did the right thing before a certain time? Yeah, let's cover this kind of in three blocks. So there's the first, let's talk about what is going to affect some people this year so they're at least aware and not surprised by it. Mm -hmm. Things that you can do to impact the amount of taxes that will, you will owe that you still have an opportunity to do before April, I believe it's 17th this year, like you said, okay. before April 17th. And then things that you should be paying attention to and doing this year that will impact your taxes next year. Because there are certain things that you have to do before December 31st, others you have up until the tax filing deadline. So one word of caution to people, you know, if you rewind the clock back and you remember the American Rescue Plan of 2021, President Biden said everybody's going to get an extra 300 bucks a month per kid or there was this whole calculation. And people said, that's great. Free 300 bucks per month per kid. Uh, I think it was kids over the age of five up to 17, you got 250 a month per child, and under five, you got $300. So let's use those those numbers and say, I, great, I got this free few thousand bucks, or maybe <laughs> it was a lot more than that. And that was not free money. That was an acceleration of your child tax credit. 
So, what does that mean? Well, we both know that it's not a great idea to have a, a big refund at the end of the year because you essentially gave the government a tax or a interest free loan. Mm-hmm. The perfect tax scenario would be getting exactly nothing back and owing exactly nothing at sure. the end of the year. That said, a lot of people love getting a refund, so much so that they don't adjust their withholdings because that refund serves as their kind of forced savings. Maybe you use that for a vacation or for Christmas or whatever it might be. Well, let's look at what it's going to look like this year. If you normally get a $5,000 tax refund and you received three dollars or $4,000 in those advanced payments, which you thought were free money, if you got four grand and you normally get five back, you're probably only going to get $1,000 back. And I think that's going to you know, for people who don't understand taxes or just you know cross their fingers and hope for the best when they go to the local uh, CPA, that could leave you uh, with a bad taste in your mouth walking out going, am I at the right CPA's office? You know, my friend got, I yeah. hear that because comparisons a lot. Uh, no, they probably did everything right. It was because of this advancement. So, you know, nothing to be too, sh- just don't be too shocked there. Uh, what are ways that you can reduce that? All the way up until April 17th, you have the ability to do a contributory IRA. Now, a contributory IRA isn't available to everybody. You have to qualify for certain income limits, and there are certain things that you have to kind of make sure work for you. But if you can do it, you can put up to $6,000 as of last year into an IRA, a $1,000 catch-up contribution if you're over the age of 50. So theoretically, if you're over the age of 50, you can put in 7000 bucks. You can write that check all the way up until April 17th, and that goes in your tax return as a pre-tax contribution to an investment plan. Now, because it's a pre-tax contribution, let's say for argument's sake that you're in the, uh, tw- let's just, there is no 20% bracket, but it's easier math. So okay. let's pretend you're in the 20% bracket and you put 5000 bucks away. If your tax liability was $1,000, you owed the government $1,000, you put 5000 into your own money, your own name, your own IRA, it just wiped that $1,000 liability away. Now, obviously, if you don't have the $5,000 to do it, none of this matters to you. But there are a couple things that you need to be aware of. When you do that, you are now deciding that that $5,000 or six or seven or whatever you decide to contribute now has to stay in that investment until you're at least 59 and a half, or there's some penalties you'd have to contend with. And we can talk about ways to get around that penalty, but just know that that money gets a little bit sticky and it is allocated for retirement. So you can't put it in today, take it out tomorrow and kind of play this leapfrog tax game. Mm -hmm. Um, But that is one that will absolutely move the needle. And it is something that you can do all the way up until the last second. So if you forgot to prepare, do that. So I'm a little curious about you mentioned after age 59 and a half. Is there a limit on the age you can be to put that money in? No. No, absolutely not. So you can put it in. As long as you have earned income, you can put it in. So, for example, let's say that you're uh, feeling very generous with your children and they have a part-time job and they make 2000 bucks. You can put $2,000 in an IRA for your child as long as he had $2,000 worth of earned income. Interesting. Interesting. These are the kinds of things you can learn by sitting for the free consultation at Aptus, 614-917-1040 to set that up. You can set up your appointment online by going to Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. Go to Aptus website and also sign up for Josh's YouTube channel. That's where he breaks down a lot of these concepts into maybe a five-minute video, and then you can pause that video, you can share that video, you can take notes on it, you can replay it. Aptus Wealth is located in Lewis Center, just off Route 750, and they do have clients 
who they meet with remotely. So if you are out of the area, you hear the show playing on the stream, and you'd like to have that consultation with Josh, that is something they absolutely can set up with you remotely. All right, so we covered uh, things that will affect you now. We covered impacting your tax liability. Anything that you should do now for your tax liability for next year? Yeah, so as we look at investing, I think there's two pieces of information that everybody really wants to know, and that is how do I get the greatest return for my money and how do I pay as little taxes as possible on sure. my money? And I, it's very difficult to find. I bet if we walked out in front of the station right now and just interviewed everybody walking past and said, do you think taxes are going up or down? I, I got to think 99.9% of people would say taxes are going up. And that's not because we just believe that taxes are always going up. It's because we're in a pretty low tax environment right now. So most people's concern would be, well, when I reach retirement right now, it looks like inflation is going to be a bigger deal than it has been in the last 25 years or so. It looks like there's a lot of economic uncertainty out there. So I'm very concerned about where to even put my money to earn a return because I maybe I'm getting close to retirement. I don't want to lose anything. And then I'd like to get that money back in a way that I get to keep as much as possible of it. Well, there's something that you'll hear going around, and I'm going to kind of cut through some of the nonsense jargon that you hear. You'll, you'll start to see a lot of ads for something called a 7702 IRC, which is the IRS tax code, IRC 7702 plan. All 7702 is is the line in the tax code that addresses the tax-free distributions from life insurance. That's all it is. Okay. So it's important when we look at investing to not pay attention to what the in investment is called and go, oh, I don't like that. You know, I, I, I heard about annuities. I don't like that. I heard about a life insurance. I don't like that. I don't like them either. But what I do like is line 770. I do like the tax code uh, section 7702 because what that says is as long as you play by some rules, you can put money in and take it back out. It can grow tax-deferred and take it back out tax-free, just like a Roth IRA. No matter what your income limits are, there's no limit on how much you can put in. So let's think about this. Step one, invest in a Roth IRA, never pay taxes on that money for the rest of your life. Step two, okay, I can only do a certain amount into a Roth IRA, or maybe I can't qualify for a Roth IRA because I make too much money. Mm -hmm. So what's the next step? Well, maybe investing in overfunded universal life insurance makes sense. Now, I'll talk about all the downsides to it and then all the upsides to it. So the downsides that you typically hear is, well, the reason that advisors sell that is because the commissions are exorbitantly high. That is true. The commissions are exorbitantly high, with one exception. Remember, you use the term fiduciary all the time. Yeah. Companies are coming up with fiduciary products. What that means is all the commissions are stripped out of them. So I make no more money doing universal life insurance than I do hmm. doing mutual funds or stocks or anything like that. So I'm not making a 100% commission on universal life insurance. I'm making the same percentage, the same small percentage per year off of it. So that, that you know, kind of retort or that, that rebuttal, it doesn't apply anymore. Okay. It applied five years ago. It doesn't apply today. Um, option number, or the, the next downside to it, there will be a cost of insurance attached to it. Now, remember, we're doing this for the tax benefits. We don't care about the insurance. We just know that it's a necessary evil to get the tax benefits. So what we want to do is have as little insurance as possible. And in the tax code, they call that the insurance corridor, which means, okay, I'm, I'm putting in $10,000 a year into a life insurance policy. If I bought term with that, I'd probably have a $10 million term policy. I'm putting 10000 bucks a year into a policy, and I only have a $250,000 death benefit. 
I am getting the death benefit as low as possible to make my cash value inside of this policy grow as much as I can. And for those of you who are kind of cross-eyed thinking what this is, all life insurance is, whole life insurance, universal life insurance, is a death benefit on top of your cash value. Your cash value, just think of it as your account value, no different than if you put your money in XYZ mutual fund. And you can put it in XYZ mutual fund and just wrap it in this insurance wrapper. And by wrapping it in this insurance wrapper, the IRS says, well, as long as you have enough insurance wrapper on it, you can take the money back out tax-free. So we got to play by the rules. Now, because of those rules, it's not easy. you got to qualify. It's a pain in the butt. I'm not going to lie to you. You have to go through underwriting. You have to qualify medically. You have to do a whole bunch of stuff to get it. But if you can get it, let me tell you how it works. So I put in, let's use my example. I put in $10,000 a year. If you're investing $10,000 into a mutual fund and you die after year one, what do your beneficiaries get? Well, probably $10,000 return. Plus return, whatever it is. They're certainly not going to get $250,000 tax-free. Okay, so by the way, life insurance death benefits, as most of you probably know, is tax-free. So in year one, my account value to my beneficiaries is $250,000. My account value to me is $10,000. Traditional universal life insurance policy, if you surrendered the policy year one, you'd probably only get a thousand bucks back because the other nine thousand went to commissions. Not with this. You're gonna get your ten thousand bucks back, less the cost of insurance, plus your gains. The cost of insurance on two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for a healthy person in their, you know, mid forties, early fifties, we're probably talking about just a few hundred bucks. So you paid a few hundred bucks, which percentage wise on ten grand over your lifetime works out to about 30 basis points. So we're not talking about exorbitant costs. 30 basis points is 0.3%. That's a heck of a lot cheaper than 22% in taxes. So you continue to accumulate this thing. When you decide to retire, you actually are now, if you've heard, if you've been listening to TikTok or YouTube or any of these types of videos, you hear oftentimes, how do I become my own bank? This is (laughs) how you become your own bank. Because what the tax code allows you to do is borrow the money from yourself so if you have, let's say you have a million bucks inside of this life insurance policy, I take out a hundred grand. They act as if I never took out the hundred grand. My million still continues to accumulate. I took out the hundred thousand and it is a lien against my death benefit when I die. But I still have my million dollars in cash to live off of that's still earning interest and still driving up my death benefit. And in exchange for that loan, I have to pay what's called a, uh, a margin on that loan. And that margin is usually less than 1%. So I'm borrowing the money off of myself at less than 1%. My money's still growing like I didn't borrow it. If I die, I get a death benefit. I can use that money for college. I can use it before I'm 59 and a half because they don't care how old you are. I can use it when I'm 90. I can put it in a trust and completely protect it. I can do all sorts of things with it. The only downside to it and why people didn't do it in the past and quite frankly why I didn't like it is because it was so darn expensive. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to today, they have products that aren't expensive anymore, which is now it's taking a while for the industry to catch up to the fiduciary standards. Okay, so do you have a YouTube video on that? Because that well, was very fascinating. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, sounds incredibly useful, which we'll get into in a moment, like the ways you can use it. But that is very complex and would be the kind of thing that you'd want to pause and you know really digest it to get all of it. Yeah, so next week I'm dropping a YouTube video on that that'll have actual examples on the screen that'll okay. show you this is how the, the flow of things works and, and how would you want to put this in a trust and if so, why and when. Okay, so we've talked a lot about tax planning in the past and I've been um, enlightened as to how much a simple decision on what vehicle you have your money in or whatever can make a humongous difference in your tax bill. And just now what you outlined 
I gathered enough of it to realize how versatile, I would say, a person's investment can be if it's invested wisely in the right kind of investment. So I wonder how often we think of you as a retirement person. You're helping people get to retirement with peace of mind. But I'm thinking about the different investments that you have, uh, obviously, clear expertise in. And it seems to me that your investments can work for you in a bunch of different ways besides just being there for you when you retire. Because you just outlined, like, you can take it out for college. You can do it with this. You can not. You've mentioned before that somebody might want to buy a property with some of the money they have, or they might want to buy a boat with it, or they can borrow against it or whatever. So I'm just kind of wondering, like, the versatility of people's investments and the various ways uh, that you have to, I guess, uh, apprise people of the versatility of those investments. Yeah, and you probably remember this from our meeting. I said there's there's no perfect investments. There's only pros and cons. Mm-hmm. And what you try and do when you build a portfolio for somebody, and, and I even hesitate to use the term portfolio because it sounds so cliche, when you're trying to build a basket or a, or a war chest of investments that will accomplish whatever it is you're trying to accomplish, you're trying to line up those pros and cons so that they almost offset. So, mm-hmm. for example, if with my 401k, the pro would be very low cost, hopefully my company matches, and it's long-term tax deferral or even tax-free if I do the Roth option. The con would be, well, it's very restrictive until I hit 59. It's governed by the plan document of my firm, which might not allow me to do something like if I need the money before 59 and a half, there's this rule called 72T that allows me to get around that 10% penalty because that's the problem with these long-term IRA 401k investments is if I need the money before I'm 59 and a half, I get penalized for it. Well, there are ways around that, but my company plan document that governs my 401k might not allow for those things. So that's a, that's a, that's a con. Well, cash on the other hand, the con is I don't earn squat on it. Mm-hmm. The benefit is I can get it anytime I want without penalty. Okay, so those are two things that kind of offset one another. Then you look at like universal life insurance. Well, the, the pro to it is I can get it anytime I want. I can get it tax-free. It has a huge death benefit attached to it that's very tax-favorable because it's tax-free to my kids. It has a lot of litigious protection, meaning that state, at least in the state of Ohio and in most states, there are very favorable laws saying that even in the event that I have litigation posed against me, you can't touch that. So that's very protected. But the cons are it is a giant pain in the butt to actually go through the process to get it. So there's kind of all these different investments and you kind of couple them together and go, okay, let's look at as many if thens as we possibly can. What if, what if, how are we going to attack that? And you come up with kind of primary contingent tertiary kind of angles of attack to solve all those problems. Right. And you hope we cannot eliminate all risk. Anybody who says they can, they're just ignoring some risks. You can't eliminate all risk. But what you're trying to do is for the least cost possible to you in the most tax efficient way possible, handle your risks. No different than you go, well, I have car insurance because I still owe money on my car. And God forbid I hit somebody and I'm at fault. I want to make sure that my insurance company picks up the tab for those injuries. But I don't want to go get car insurance and pay $20,000 a year for my car insurance. So I have $10 million dollars worth of coverage because that 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 really is illogical right 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 right, exactly and i can just tell you folks from having sat with josh and his team and went through the aptus retirement uh, consultation and then became clients we came out of it with uh, a clarity a focus a plan we believed in and a plan that we understood and that's really what i gained out of it and i'm fascinated by all these different options as i'm sure many of you are so if you haven't sat for your consultation 
I can assure you it's painless, and it's uh, also very enlightening. Set that up by phoning into the office, 614-917-1040, or you can set up your appointment by doing it online at aptuswealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. Okay, uh, worst-case scenario, what kind of costs can people incur if they need to take their funds out really quickly? Like we've talked about volatility and inflation, and maybe people have lost a job or things like that. You've got some money saved, and... You know, you understand you're going to have to bite the bullet, but what are people looking at in terms of taking money out ahead of time for reasons that I'm sure leave them in a certain feeling of desperation at the time? Yeah, I'll, even, I'll use an example that uh, that came up today, as a matter of fact, before I, before I came in to record the show. I had a uh, potential client that has a sizable 401k, I think millions of dollars, and he's pretty young. He's uh, in his early 50s. Mm-hmm. He intends on retiring before the age of 59 and a half. But in the interim, while he continues to work, he has kind of a pet project of a house. He, he bought some land in a house and he's redoing this house. And he said, you know, I have more than enough money in my retirement plans to handle my retirement, but I'd like some of that money now so I can actually spend cash to redo the house because now interest rates are really high. So going out and getting a loan doesn't make sense. However, I have a challenge of if I take money out of my retirement plan before the age of 59 and a half, I get smacked with a 10% penalty. Mm -hmm. Not only do I get smacked with a 10% penalty, but they're telling me that I have to pay a mandatory 20% tax, and I know that I'm going to have to pay even more than that. So for every dollar I take out, it's going to cost me 30 to 40% in taxes when my normal tax rate's only 22. Right. So this doesn't get access to his own money. To get access to his own money. So this doesn't make sense. So this is where kind of knowing your options comes into play. So what did we decide to do? Well, one, he can take a loan up to $50,000 on his money, on his 401k. He goes, yeah, but I'm going to have to pay interest on that. Well, yeah, but you can pay it back over time while you continue to work because he's going to work for a few more years. Mm -hmm. So at least we avoided the 10% penalty on 50 grand. But 50 grand isn't enough money for his project. I said, okay, well, how can we do this? Well, how about we do something called a 72T distribution? And 72T, much like we were just talking about 7702, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, IRC code, 72T is the line in the tax code that talks about early access to your retirement plans without getting the 10% penalty. And what that states is that as long as you take it equal in periodic payments over a period of five years or until you're 59 and a half, whichever's longer. So in this case, you'll have to take these equal periodic payments all the way until he's 59 and a half then you avoid the 10% penalty. You'd say, well, how do I figure out what the payment is? Well, it's really easy. You go on a website, you go on the IRS tax code, and you say how much, there's a bunch of different ways I can calculate it. Some will get me more money, some will get me less. And then what we do is we find out how much money he needs, and then we allocate a certain amount to an IRA to get it. So it's kind of some multiple steps, but what we ended up doing was saving him 10% penalties on all the money that he wanted. And you might say, yeah, but he's got to take that money all the way until he's 59 and a half. Well, I assure you when he retires, he's going to need money too. And he plans on retiring in just a couple of years. So he's going to need the money all the way until 59 and a half. Now, what does that work out to be? If you look at how much he was going to take out, we just saved $30,000 in 10% penalty taxes because he's going to take 300 grand out over the next few years to fix this project. Mm -hmm. That's a big number. That is a big number. That is a big number. And. You know, this is this is completely irrespective of what investments he's in or what mutual fund he's in or right. all of that stuff. All we're doing is just keeping the government honest by not sending him as much money, right, legally. So it's important that when you look at financial planning, it's not just about rates of return. It's about how do I get my money back without 
the government reaching over and taking half of it away from me. And that's part of the plan. Is it? Is there always a way, or is there always a way to make it less painful than maybe first glance makes it appear? Um, there's not always a way. I'll give you an example where there isn't a way. If you already took the money and then went, oops, and then call me, yeah, there may or may not be a way to get a redo. Yeah. Now, if you did it within 60 days, we can kind of unravel it a little bit. But the important takeaway is much like everything we talk about on this show is planning, planning. makes a difference. Yeah. So the earlier you start to plan for it, the better. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things I've been amazed with continually uh, as we interact is that you are so on top of all these different options and all these different avenues. And I just don't know how anybody who did it the way I used to do it, which is just dabbling in it, um, in my spare time, when I had time, when I dedicated time, finding these things out. And really what I found, folks, was that, you know, I, I learned enough to get scared or I learned enough that I hoped that I was doing things right. And I just have a lot more uh, peace of mind now. I keep saying that same phrase, but that's exactly what it is, having Josh and his team on the case. I can't recommend them highly enough. Their office number is 614-917-1040. Their website is aptuswealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. I look forward to you posting that video on your YouTube channel um, about what was that concept called again? Yeah, it's, well, it's Universal Life Insurance, but Universal it's uh, section code 7702. So it'll be a, a forewarning. It's probably going to be a pretty lengthy video, but it'll be worth watching. Yeah, well, definitely was worth hearing about it. And uh, we hope that you guys enjoyed the show this week. Tell your friends about it. It runs Fridays at 7 and replays Saturdays at noon. Have a great week. We'll talk to you again soon. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.